0: You have the time to listen to me grind, take down the field watchers
1: and learn some at once, with the mask not adding up, you said I'm checking it out, I'm just fine, welcome to the ground. Hey, welcome back. We're entering week two of the 2021 fantasy season, and this is a member of the DLF family of podcasts, because I forgot to say that first. Uh, let's get into it. So, continued uh, the Start-Sit question air eh? thread on Twitter this Friday. Lots of interesting questions I will circle back around to, but I don't want to repeat myself, obviously. So, not so much thinking about Start-Sit this week. More I got into thinking about the Flex. The Dynasty Crossroads, we say... After the events, some behind the forefront. I don't know what am I looking for. I'm I, still the best way I have of describing what I try to do with the Dynasty Crossroads. Is I'm more interested in players that might still be on the wave of wire after the wave of wire runs than before the wave of wire runs. We run a little behind schedule, so we're I'm more trying to talk about developing a process, how I have my own process set up, obviously, but more about how to go about building one for yourself or having one to make decisions in real time or fantasy time um, that could help, or at least I'm finding could help me. Um, and this week I'm more interested in the flex and start sits, uh, but I will circle back around to a few of the themes as they relate uh, to making flex decisions um, for a weekly for a weekly roster construction in a ten to twelve man dynasty league. Um, eventually, I guess. I Think I lost the plot there for a second. But what? Let's start off with uh, why. And why is because I was wrong about something. Not some, well, hey, I was definitely wrong about something. But also is because I've forgotten something that I've looked into and learned and was has been talked about before, which is that. The idea that wide receivers win the flex. I was out on Twitter trying to explain while I was doing those uh, dynasty start-sit start, answers why I lean running back uh, as, a, as a tiebreaker pretty often. Um, and someone pointed out that my own table was showing that wide receivers win the flex as I think Rotoviz was the first place I first heard that concept. And it's simply that top 36 wide receivers. Wide receivers that finish uh, inside the top 36 in PPR scoring overall average about the same points per game um, as running backs that finish inside the top 12. This is part of why running backs and wide receivers have a different value propositions, which is that running backs are less replaceable and harder to find, uh, or not harder to find necessarily. That's slightly wrong in the top 24, but wide receivers are deeper. And again, that's slightly misunderstood. We might have to go back over that. Maybe that's next week's conversation. Um, where was I? All right. Uh, so essentially, you should start top 36 wide receivers over top 24 running backs in a flex decision because they average about the same points per game. And wide receivers have a hit, in the top, uh, hit within that range of production, that top 12 points per game, more often than running backs do. Um, inside the top 24. Now works out to be uh, clinically true when you look at the end of season rankings and it ended up putting in mind a quote I literally hadn't thought about for a very long time and I almost... I think... I think it was Kierkegaard but, you know, don't ask me which one or from what book because I can't, I, I, I can't remember. I've got this quote stuck in my head and the name attached to it is Kierkegaard and it's something like uh, life is something that can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forwards. And that's honestly, while well, talking it out on Twitter, um, and, and in a few DMs, because I had to enlist people, because when you start talking about analytics on Twitter, I know, there's something about writing out, uh, analytics that makes it de- deceptively complicated, you know, like running backs in the top 36 and wide receivers in the top 24, and by the time we get to the third paragraph of someone else's comment, I, i I'm, I'm, I'm I have to read it a few times to understand. Again, I have all the confetti all the all the little ancillary benefits of making yourself seem start and smart in that uh, I I like numbers, I like data and you know, I don't sound like every other Kentuckian. Uh, although this is the official Kentucky accent um, and so people think I might be smart and really, really it's just all it's all glitter underneath pretty much just a moron and so sometimes I need a little help so I went to my nerd chat and they helped me uh, figure out what some of the comments back were saying and, and re-remembering stuff that honestly had literally filtered out my brain which is that wide receivers win the flex but in practice a lot of times I, I think the feeling of playing in fantasy doesn't measure up to the, the conclusion, especially of analytics and data, and I understand the frustration some people have with that. Um, I know that starting wide receivers my flex has not been my default for the longest time, and it's not because I don't think those numbers are true, or I don't know the reality behind the numbers I was literally just presenting, that top 36 tie, uh, wide receivers average the same points per game and finish within that threshold more often than running backs finishing in the top 24 therefore, top 36 wide receivers win. So why is not that not working out in practicality for me in my decisions? And why does my flex ranks uh, or my flex decision process not incorporate purely start the wide receiver? And it's because I think we are, I feel more confident, that's the way I'm going to say it, of who is going to be a top 24 running back as the season progresses than who is going to be a top 36 wide receiver. Now, I went back to 2020 and I went back to 2019 just to try and fact check myself on that because that sounds wrong, right? Um, But I think it fits the general narrative that most people think wide or state wide receiver is deep, man, and it's really not. Especially when you're talking about the top echelon, they're as rare as running backs um, and, and just as value over replacement um, at their own position and certainly when talking about flexes wide receivers that finish with 20 points per game overall and play more than 12 seasons are just as rare as running backs that do it so it's not rarity when you get that top echelon and there's kind of again there's nuance we tend not to like when we're making mythical heuristics that I don't think we should incorporate or I don't incorporate into my process and that's one of them anyway what was I yeah life is something that can be understood backwards but must be lived forwards what was Kierkegaard, I think, trying to say that, and I don't know, man. He was a pretty smart guy. He's probably laying out some real great truth uh, about life, and I don't know about any of that. But it's what occurred to me when talking about why the my my process for flex decisions or even start sit decisions didn't incorporate the very real analytical reality that wide receivers win the flex more often than not again top 36 wide receivers are typically better starts than top 24 running backs that is running backs that finish running back 13 to running back uh, 24 on average because there is a higher percentage of games where they will produce that 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 12 points per game and then the running backs finish in the top 24 wide receivers have a higher ceiling in general because, uh, you know, you can go for 100 yards on a touchdown in any different game. We've talked about in this in different contexts as well, and I'm getting off the point. Again, I seem a big fan of that today. All right, so why is it? Well, essentially, it's think. I, I think it's because I have more confidence, whether it's true or not, because I don't have enough week-to-week data, and I haven't been able to go back into the little that I have to really track whether I'm accurate. Again, I went back and looked at 2019 and 2020, and I felt mixed on the wide receivers that finish top 36 And the running backs that finish top 24 I think From what I can glance, what I can eyeball That that's fairly accurate It's easier to know that I don't know, What was one of the names I pulled off JD McKissick last year is a top 24 Running back with the receiving uses He was getting week over week Especially because that really began to start the season With Peyton Barber leading the team Then Antonio Gibson eventually took it over Then Nelson Aguilar is going to be a top 36 wide receiver. Now not all of the decisions are that clean cut, that's just the easy example I remember from last year there's also running backs that are finishing inside the top 24 but it's because they came on later in the year like DeAndre Swift and that's what I'm getting to. By the time the workload turns up I can feel more confident that next week a running back's going to get similar touches because I just generally feel more confident in predicting running back volume and I can say that from a projection standpoint I do think I'd be interested in digging into this as well and talking to some other people that do projections. I think we get more running running back week to week more accurately than we get wide receivers, and certainly in terms of floor. Um but that's the thing we definitely, we're definitely having to dig into before stating it any stronger. Um what was I? Yeah. So I think as the season progresses, like right now, I can feel more confident that Dara Henderson, Mike Davis, um who else? Uh Jamal Williams, even from week one, actually, there's one that I didn't expect and definitely seems to be sharing that backfield a little bit more than I did expect, even though Swift still has all that top five upside, which, again, he kind of showed us in week one already, um, given his receiving usage. Or even that Antonio Gibson, again, this year, is going to keep getting those touches. I really feel confident he's going to finish inside the top 24, even with only one week to see, whereas last week... We also saw Debo Samuels finish as the wide receiver one, because wide receivers tend to be more variable week over week, hence that ceiling and floor discussion. So do I think Debo Samuels finishes inside the top 36? Yes, but how about a little bit lower? Kenny Galladay, do I think he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver this year? Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty confident in that way one as well. But as I run through, especially as the season progresses, I feel more confident earlier about the running back workloads producing top 24 numbers and the wide receiver workloads producing top 36 wide receiver numbers. Now, that is not true for every player. And this is where it becomes, let's create a heuristic-like um, description of how I think these two things are merging together into my process or how I want them to merge now I'm consciously looking at it to create a process um, and you can, that is flexible enough for you to make your own dang decisions because I definitely don't know any, everything and you might have a better interpretation of who is going to be that type of scoring wide receiver or that type of scoring running back so I don't want to, again this is the difference between answering every start question that comes your way and trying to help or trying to build, which is where I'm at, a process that lets me approach every real-time start-sit decision for a flex that I might get, that gives me a baseline understanding, and then I can choose to ignore it and regress it, but a baseline understanding of what happens most often, given my own personal feelings on how good a player is going to perform as a season progresses. And that's why that Kierkegaard quote came to me, like we're looking at past data and saying that top 36 wide receivers are better than top 24 running backs, but we're living that in reverse. We know who the top 36 wide receivers are, and we know who the top 24 running backs are, but we're living the flex life, I guess, we're flexing the flex life, I'll come up with something quippy by the end of it surely. And um, as it goes forward, we can't look at it in reverse as we're actually living it. Now, that's definitely just a complete ruining a very good quote uh, for, of a very smart person, I'm sure. But that's what made some of this finally click for me. Why I lean running back pretty often in flex decisions over wide receivers. And I think I'm justified in that more often than not in my personal live fantasy experience than leaning wide receiver despite the fact that wide receivers. Th- finishing inside the top 36, average the same points per game as top 24 running backs and hit that threshold more often. All right. So that means we have to bring in some practicality, and for that I turn to my projections, and in fact I'm going to turn to four for 444's four projections, turning to my own, or even the average, which I have mine in there, just feel a little too... so a word. Uh, uh, NFL coaches hiring their sons type... I know, it just, seem, it just seems a little too, look what my projections say. So instead, I'm just going to use 4 for 4s which are in the average. If I organize everyone that's not a quarterback by predicted points by 4 for 4s current projections for week two, Elijah Mitchell, who was a common theme in that start-sit thread, like do I start Elijah Mitchell or do I start T Higgins? Well, I lean running back. But do I lean running back over T. Higgins? And the simple answer is no. I, I'm more. I feel very confident that T. Higgins is going to be a top 36 wide receiver this year. In fact, I think he's going to finish higher than that. Elijah Mitchell. I feel pretty confident, having only seen one week. My guess would be that he's a top 24 running back. But I could very easily be wrong. So I lean heavily T. Higgins there. But where is T. Higgins being ranked in these start sit decisions? Four for four projections. So Elijah Mitchell currently right now is being projected by 4-4 as running back 27 last time I went and looked at their projections. And that puts him below Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, Lavisca Chenault, 1, 2, and 3 if you sort by points per game projections. And so the question becomes, do I start Elijah Mitchell over Robbie Anderson, Lavisca Chenault? and Tyler Boyd. Now, Robbie Anderson's a bit of a cheat here because we've got some injury concerns and also some usage concerns from week one, but that's the thing. As we're living the flex, living the decisions of making start-sit um, decisions, um, we have to ask ourselves, given only one week of data, not knowing their end-of-year projections, do I feel more confident right now, having seen one week, and knowing what I, we know about the players, that Tyler Boyd finishes the top thirty-six? wide receiver or that Elijah Mitchell finishes the top 24 running back. Honestly, I can see why 4 has got the projections the way it is when you just look at those four players. I feel pretty confident that Tyler Boyd's going to be maybe not a top 24 wide receiver this year with Chase stealing magnificent long-distance touchdowns in week one and T. Higgins already being the young um, stud dominant opportunity player on that team from last year. It's an awkward split. Could he Michael Gallup his way? Not in the very same way, but get enough opportunity and be good enough on it that he finishes in type 36 with those other two wide receivers also performing up to some of their uh, expected potential. Yeah, I really do think so. Tyler is a really good player, and given what happened in week one, I think that Elijah Mitchell as a potential top 24 running back is right in the right range here for 4-for-4. Four four. Robbie Anderson... Given week one, I am much less certain that he is going to maintain that role because despite the fact I'm still, you know, team anti terrorist Marshall, although he is starting to uh, deserve not being misnamed, um, but his week one production was something like 11 expected points being a volume measure, not his actual uh, PPR points, but he was getting enough touches that he was expected to get 11 points if he did um formed like an average player would with the touches that he gained so it's a it's a measure of the volume he was getting and that is really good production especially week one in that game with dj moore also getting a very significant workload and christian mccaffrey going off that was actually an impressive week one robbie anderson on the other hand caught the touchdown but did not get enough touches to rate near terence marshall or um amari cooper for sure um, in terms of the overall split, not Amari Cooper, what am I thinking of? Carolina, DJ Moore on that team for overall opportunity, so I don't think he can catch a touchdown every week. Does he finish inside the top 36? I definitely think he could. But in that situation, I'm more confident that if both of their workloads keep up the way it is, that Elijah Mitchell outpaces um, uh, who would I say, Robbie Anderson for overall PPR points, and and that Robbie Anderson is less likely to finish inside the top 36, and Elijah Mitchell is to finish inside the top 24. Now, one more week of data, one more week of games. Sorry, I know you you all think of him as games. That's fair. Um, and Elijah Mitchell's workload might drop out. Trey Sermon might live up to all the expectations we had. We had no, we all have had of him when he was drafted to the 49ers and suddenly it doesn't look like elijah Mitchell is going to be a top 24 running back and in which case that will have been a bad start sit decision I'm not laying out that you should start one player or the other i'm trying to put a, a, a practical decision for this week into the framework of the process i think i have for start sit decisions which is based on the data but allows for the fact that there should be flexibility To the concept that wide receivers win the flex, and it's why I often feel more confident in starting the running back over the wide receiver. Because I think running back volume is fairly consistent, wide receiver volume jumps up and down, and especially early on in the season we can be less confident of which wide receivers are going to get enough volume um, to finish inside the top 36 even, compared to running backs finish inside the top 24. Obviously, we prefer those wide receivers long term for dynasty because that's a value and career arc thing. But that's, that's kind of besides the point. Um, and so that's kind of where I've come to. I think wide receiver. I know wide receivers win the flex more often. Um, to put more numbers on that, because I realize it probably still sounds like a, a weird thing to you. For the longest time, I've been saying say, fits the feet my feels um, of how I play fantasy, and I've heard on s- coming up and listening to other podcasts and other content creators that running backs have a better floor, but essentially wide receivers inside the top 36 have a better floor than running backs inside the top 24. For example, taking outside positional rank and just looking at the percentage of games that they finish inside the top 36 scorers overall, so flex rank scoring, top 36 wide receivers finish inside the top 24 scorers 17% of the time on average. Running backs inside the top 24, on the other hand, so a higher positional rank category, only finish inside the top 24 16% of the time. So wide receivers inside the 36, if you look at flex rankings, that's another way of seeing how wide receivers win the flex. Another way of looking at it is that top 24 running backs beat their points per game expectation in exactly 44.8% of the games that they actually play, wide receivers who finish inside the top 36 finish inside the top uh, above their points per game threshold 45.7% of the time. So in other words, f- wide receivers that finish inside the top 36 scores 12 points or more 45% of the time. Running backs inside the top 24 finish with 12 points or more 44% of the time, which is a uh, it's just a percentage difference. But you can see now, and that, but that's such a l- lower threshold, top 36 wide receivers versus top 24 running backs, you can see how wide receiver, uh, it leans wide receiver much more often. You should choose wide receivers over running backs for a flex decision, because they don't just have the ceiling, that highly variable ceiling, where they could catch a touchdown or a lucky long distance, not lucky, but um, less predictable, should we say. Um, long uh, target and therefore get a whole chunk of yards all at once but they also consistently hit that floor of just finishing inside the top 36 overall or finishing with 12 points per game or more slightly more often and so we should lean towards a wide receiver but as we live the flex maybe that's the title I don't know um I do think that I feel a little bit more nervous about overall touches, and so I lean running backs pretty often. So when I look at start-sit decisions that are thrown at me or that I'm making for myself, I go look at the ranks, and I ask myself the question, first off, who's meant to get more points? Yeah, I look at the average of projections, and that is a person that wins projections, is usually the way I phrase it when I answer them on Twitter. But sometimes I feel more confident in the running back that's projected for slightly less points, in terms of their workload, and so I'll lean running back in that instance. And that's the that's so far my flex process. It's who who is projected for more points when I look at an average of, um, I've currently got three because Rotoviz doesn't have week-to-week projections, so three different projection engines, mine, 4 for 4, and also Fantasy Pros, I think, is the other one I've got in there. Um, and then look at the other players that I ha- I'm trying to make a decision by, between. And if there's a running back projected for similar but less PPR points, given that average of projections, how confident do I feel that the running back finishes inside the top 24 and that the wide receiver who's the finishes inside the top 36? Now, as you can see, given those two boundaries, you're probably going to be leaning wide receiver. So I am trying to lean wide receiver with flex decisions, but Elijah Mitchell this week keeps coming up and I think I'm a little bit more confident and the most of that workload continues more so in week two given that I'm more concerned about Trey Sermon since he was a healthy scratch week one I know there's been a lot of conversation in the 49ers talking a lot about their players this week including Brandon Ayuk I tend to ignore that and just consider again that baseline of what happens most often running back touches tend to be more stable Um. Running backs who are healthy scratches tend not to be there for disciplinary reasons. It's more often that they didn't win the job outright over someone else. Now, that could very much turn out not to be true with two whole weeks of data. And Trey Sermon comes out, fulfills what many people saw in his college profile, and actually dominates that position that week. In fact... The 49ers do tend to run one running back. It's just they've had so many injuries to the running back they have been feeding touches to lately that it feels like they flip week to week when they don't, actually. If the running back they are using remains healthy, they tend to just stick with one main running back. And so that's the logic I'm running on Elijah Mitchell, that they have Mitchell on the field week one and Sermon not on it because they prefer Mitchell. And then Mitchell does very well on it. I think he's earned... uh, at least a chance to have that opportunity, to continue to earn that opportunity in week two. If you feel different about it, then you would obviously lean towards those wide receivers. You would therefore feel more confident finish inside the top 36. So that's the heuristic, a flex decision, or the process in a in a nutshell. The other reason, the reason, the whole reason I pulled this uh, research out was actually to consider Sterling Shepherd and the return, perhaps, of Jamison Crowder this week, and, and look at players that I feel generally more confident will finish inside the top 36 or 24 because they. Uh, Devonte Parker is another one because I've seen them have top 24 season before, so I think they are going to continue to earn targets, but they tend to be a little less sexy. Sterling Shepard fell into uh, round 16 of Dynasty drafts in August, and so I was wondering how confident... Or how often do I feel confident starting someone like Sterling Shepard, someone who is a very good value in that round because we like older wide receivers, years six, seven wide receivers that fought to later rounds because they produce usable weeks and everyone wants to go draft a new hot thing. Uh, who else was in that draft round? Nikhil Harry and Dwayne Eskridge, two players I have no confidence will ever finish inside the top 36 anymore. So I lean those older players that have at least had certain production thresholds already in their history. Anyway. So what I found out, or what I pulled up, was that wide receivers who finish inside the top 24 um, tend to be have a usable week, so they finish inside the top 24 around 44% of the time. Running backs, and this is how I got my, my, my signals crossed, um, who finish... Inside the top 24 overall, by the time we actually know and we have our lived experience and we can look back on it, finish inside the top 24 49% of the time. So there's like a 5%, um, they produce top 24 weeks about 5% of the time. And what some people were accurately pointing out to me on Twitter is that running backs inside the top 24 only score 12 points per game, whereas those wide receivers who finish inside the top 24 average 14 points per game. And so there's also this is that despite the heuristic that apparently has still got lodged in my head that running backs have the floor and wide receivers have the ceiling, it's actually a little bit reversed and that wide receivers actually produce that floor more often. I kind of hate this episode because it requires a lot of reading. Uh, Not reading, but saying numbers. And I, I do try and avoid that in podcast format where you're saying top... Again, it's like me trying to read very interesting and, and intelligent responses to my my uh my attempt to explain my start sit process on Twitter. and um, it can get very easy to get lost in the language of a very simple thought. Um take it for what it's worth, but I think that's my most viable f- flex process. But uh that's what I've been working on and the part of the process I've been trying to clarify for myself um turn the parts of it that were just kind of feelings and instinct into an understanding of why I feel that way so that I can try and make more accurate and better decisions. And also I do like to come to the crossroads honest and honestly there's a big part of my start sit and flex ranked decisions specifically that was just feeling and just instinct and just generally navigating based on how I feel players are gonna produce. And um, and so that's part of the process I needed to get better at and and I don't know. Um, let me know what you think. If you have another heuristic or another way of thinking about start sit decisions to help you decide between positions, I'd be interested to know because it is something that is very much still more encased in narrative than I care for it to be. And this, I'm using 2021 to try and hash out, as I use every season, try and chip away at the narratives around a lot of my process and just leave hopefully the the gooey gooey goodness is actually a decent process so yeah let me let me know what yours is and how i can improve my own with it or anything else you want to appreciate it talk to you again next week uh bye see you next week
0: bye. yeah chicken a crow, crow chicken a crow crossing the road go clicking a poll oh. twitter is gold player unfold so jake on the table and nate on the, play, so. the place though peter enumerates the plays they're analytical Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, They got that eye, eye, like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the place though. Pete and Numa, it's a the place analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So Jake on the table and they pull the place though. Pete and Numa, it's a place Oh, one analytical. last thing.
1: Um, I did say last week that we revisit the five things I said I expected for the 2021 season but I actually expect to revisit that after we've seen a few more games played out because, you know, otherwise we're just week to week tilting. Um, And also I lost the list, so I have to go find it again before I can do that.